Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of Out of the Darkness. As always, the team here at DNA Paranormal Services thanks you for joining us. And please, if you have any comments or questions, or even a topic you would like us to cover, you can contact us at info at daparanormal.com or you can visit us on our social media or YouTube channel and you can contact us there. All of our links are in the notes section for this podcast. If you have a paranormal story or experience you'd like to share with us and perhaps have it featured on one of our podcasts, you can contact us at storiesubmission at daparanormal.com or contact us through social media. Again, we'd like to thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Join us again for some more creepy and haunting tales of the paranormal. Until next time, we wish you all safe and happy investigating. I want to begin my story by telling you first and foremost, I do not believe in the supernatural. I've never witnessed a ghost, spirit, entity or malevolent force of nature. I've never encountered a poltergeist, demon or an angel. I'm not here to state the validity of anyone else's experiences, only my own. I do however believe in things that are good and things that are evil. Is it supernatural? I'm not here to prove one way or the other. My story began when I was 20. I was in college and like most college students I was rebellious and carefree. I was eager to obtain a part-time job, wanted my own spending money and coming from a small community with little businesses I was pretty much out of luck. My sister who is seven years older than me was newly married with a baby. She worked at the local hospital. She was an RN and trying to establish a good foundation of employment so she was taking a swing shift before she could set her own hours. Her husband was working night shift, so they needed someone to care for my nephew on the weekends. I jumped at the opportunity because I loved my little nephew, I was good with him, he knew me and was a joy as a baby. Having something to do on weekends brightened my mood somewhat. I'm trying to keep this as short as possible, but I needed to tell the backstory, otherwise it wouldn't make any sense. I started keeping my nephew the following weekend, my sister had asked me. It was Friday, February 2nd, 1990. I had just put my nephew to bed and had myself a beer and a cigarette on the back porch. There were no cell phones, computers with internet games or chat rooms, so when I say it was quiet, it was very quiet. They lived on Highway 322 outside of Clarksdale, Mississippi, and there were not many homes on that road at the time and very little traffic. I was reading a book which book I can't remember, but halfway through the chapter I was reading, you could have heard a pin drop. The crickets stopped chirping, the wind stopped blowing, the mockingbird I heard calling was silent, and the air suddenly felt so heavy it became difficult to breathe. I got up and opened the door to step outside, down the steps, and as I am frantically looking around trying to figure out what the hell is happening, the transformer next to the house explodes with a loud boom. Streetlights go out and I can smell burning rubber and plastic. I jumped so badly I felt my heart catch in my throat and the sound was deafening with sparks flying everywhere looking almost like fireworks on the 4th of July. I couldn't hear the monitor 
to my nephew's room anymore and I realised the power had gone out in the house. That's when I rushed in to make sure he was still sleeping and not freaking out in the pitch black night. He was perfectly safe and still sleeping peacefully, totally unaware of my miniature meltdown. Just as I was leaving his bedroom, I heard a noise I still have no explanation for. The sound was a close relation to that of a child crying and a woman screaming. Now believe me when I tell you I'm a country girl, lived in the country most of my life, and I know what a panther sounds like. I've heard it many times, and this sound was nothing like that. It even resembled the sound of a dying cat, or any animal that may be close to death. Incoherent whimpering, a slight cackle here and there, then silence. The sound sent a chill right up my spine, making me feel lightheaded and weak. I do not scare easily, I consider myself fairly brave and rational, but all of that departed leaving me feeling dizzy and nauseous. The sound was not coming from inside the house but outside, close to the porch, right where I'd been sitting. I knew this because I'd left the screen door open and standing there motionless looking out the door, I knew it was coming from out there. I waited a few moments then I reached for my sister's baseball bat she kept next to the door. She was not a fan of guns or knives and neither was I, but that bat brought me comfort knowing I would have to get as close as possible in order to hit it with any amount of force. Trying to find the courage to walk out the door, believing it was only an animal, brought me no solace. I'm a bit of a tough bitch and I would do whatever it took to protect my nephew and myself. I stepped out onto the porch and heard nothing. I grabbed the flashlight hanging next to the porch door, clicked it on and proceeded to look around. I slowly advanced towards the outside door, opened it and walked down the steps, my heart pounding and the only sound I hear is the air leaving and entering my lungs. I felt dizzy and sweat started um, pouring down my face from the fear and adrenaline pumping through me like wildfire. Behind my sister's house are nothing but wooded forest and empty fields. Being February, there isn't much going on in the farming community. I make my way to the edge of the field and I hear it again. That dying animal sound, that screech, and then what I can only describe as tearing flesh or tearing paper but loud. I have no idea at this point what I'm hearing. I shine the flashlight towards the noise and what I saw still haunts me to this day. Glowing red eyes were staring at me and in that instant I knew it wasn't any kind of animal I'd ever heard, seen or known about. Animal eyes do not glow red when you point a light at them. They are either orange or bright yellow, almost white. Just as I am about to stay, take a step back, a rush of wind blows past me and I see it has wings. These wings were at least 50 to 60 feet in width. Too big for an owl, buzzard or any other type of bird in that area. When it opened its wings, the rush of wind nearly knocked me off my feet. It was moving its wings back and forth, and the huge whoosh, whoosh, I could feel it. The body of a man, eyes of a demon, and a body enveloped in jet black. I stood there shaking, trying to rationalise what I was looking at, and not believing one minute of any of it. My hands began to tremble, and I felt as though I was going to faint. I stood, it stood up and with one quick whoosh it shot up into the air and out of sight. My mind raced, what had I just seen, what in the hell had just happened? 
The moon was out that night, so I saw it shoot straight up and disappear with almost no sound at all. I'm not sure how familiar you are with the area I live in, but on that very night, the Parker family was brutally murdered, not an hour after what I had seen, whatever it was. The family of four had come home, walked in on four burglars, and were tied up and burned alive. Their home was burnt to the ground. The four men who committed this heinous act are all still alive. The justice system in this area rarely sees true justice. After that night, I started researching possibilities on what I had witnessed, and each time my research led me back to none other than the Mothman. The folklore that surrounds this creature is a sign, an omen of things to come, a tragedy, something so evil you cannot imagine what it might be. This is the first time I have ever shared this, typed it out, trying to remember little details, and I'm still convinced what I saw that night was an angel of death, or moth Mothman, Lucifer, something who knows but i know what i saw and i believe with my whole heart that that entity was a prelude to the unimaginable unimaginable crime being committed that night i do not believe it appeared to warn me in particular but ever since i saw it that night my research has revealed that more than myself have seen this creature an entire town villages people who have seen this creature right before an accident or traumatic event Again, I do not necessarily believe in the supernatural, but I do believe in evil, and what I saw that night was the epitome of pure evil. I could feel it, smell it, almost taste it. It exuded evil to the extent I was almost taken over by it, making me feel so physically ill I could not shake it off. The next morning when I learnt of the murders nearby, which incidentally was only about a half a mile from my sister's house, I had that same feeling dread, nausea, and a burning in my stomach. It made me throw up. It made me so violently ill. I'm sure many will tell me that what I saw was nothing more than some rare bird or something that can be logically explained, but I know in my gut, my heart and soul what I saw was not of this world, and quite frankly, I never want to see it again. Six or seven years ago, I was invited to go camping with a group of guys. I had no idea what the plan they had for this trip was. This was my first excursion camping, so I was good to go with nearly anything. I should also mention this was mid-January in Ohio. So we get down to the location and we set up our tents. The main guy of the group, Andy, built this tarp house with propane heaters for us all to hang out in. We were all in there drinking a little, sharing some weird stories. Somehow we get on the, somehow we get on the subject of the Reagans, but that soon passes, and a guy named Joe starts up about a ghost town, ghost town nearby named Circleville, that's supposedly about three miles away from where we were camping. Turns out this was a ploy to test me and see if I can hang with these guys. Whatever. I'd been to war, I'm sure I could handle some goofy ghost town shit they may throw at me. As a bonus, I'm a big horror fan and have been interested in the paranormal or supernatural since a young age, so I was good to go. Also, I had thought. We finished our drinking sesh and we got our respective go to our respective tents and got some sleep. The next morning is the day we were meant to hike to Circleville. We bundle up, grab a few things that may help with our hike and we drive to a trail that's meant to lead to Circleville. I'm asking questions about the town, like why is it a ghost town and how is it haunted? 
when we get there, should we play Turn Me Into Mr. Dead Man? You know, stuff like that. Let me say, no one appreciated the last question. I was disappointed. Anyway, we get to this trail and start our hike. Before we reach this small river, we have to cross. Luckily, there was a fallen tree that we could use to get to the other side. Our spirits were high and we were fairly excited to see this ghost town. We keep hiking and come across some railroad tracks and start walking on those, assuming they would lead to Circleville since there's supposed to be a haunted railway tunnel that leads into the town. I wasn't with the best investigators. Three miles comes and goes, we're cold, we're getting worn out, so we stop and discuss what's going on. We decide to turn back and head to camp. After this decision, we heard a faint train whistle, so we hopped off the tracks and walked near them to the side. A good while passes and we see no train, but continue to hear a faint train whistle. We chalk it up as maybe the wind and our minds toying with us. We continue on the same way we came. We got to the same river, and yet the tree that was fallen over before is now no longer there. We found that odd, but thought, hmm, maybe it moved because it wasn't safe, who knows. So we find a narrowing and cross on foot. As we crossed, we saw a lady floating down this river. Again, mind you, this is mid-January. No one in their right mind would be doing this. That spooks us a little, but we continue on. We finally get back to camp without incident, warm up in the propane heater tent. A few minutes passes and we hear giggling. We sent Joe to see if anyone was nearby. No one, not a soul nearby. The closest campers are about half a mile away or so down the hill. As the night passes, we hear the giggling a few more times. For fun, we started sharing goofy ghost stories to help our minds rest. We ate and decided to get some sleep. And that's when it got even weirder. We all experienced different things that night, but we all have one thing in common through the tale. This common thread was a dream of a sign that read Circleville Half a Mile. We shared our tales in the morning to each other. One was stalked by an unseen thing, the other haunted by the lady we saw in the river. I had a dream, or so I thought, that I was walking into an old church, and as I did everyone in the church turned to look at me. It looked as if they were decaying. As the day went on, we all feel as if we were being watched and followed. Every so often we'd see something out the corner of our eye in the woods that surrounded the campsite. We started to get a little worried, but think we can hold them off if anything happens. Oddly at this campsite, there was little to no cell phone reception. So, if we were going to have something happen, we wouldn't be able to call for any emergency services. In the protopane tent again, we think of how we are all feeling this sense of being watched and followed. We start to throw out all kinds of crazy ideas. Like, did we step into a similar but different dimension while on our hike? Did we really make it to Circleville? And what we saw was too traumatising, our brains are playing tricks on us. Maybe that lady in the river was a witch? Maybe the lady in the river was a spirit? Who knows, we thought of all kinds of whacked out scenarios as to what this may be. This night, it got ungodly cold, so I decided to sleep in my car. Sometime in the middle of the night, I felt my car shaking, so I woke up and looked around. I didn't seem to see anything, so I go back to sleep. A little while later, I hear muttering outside my car and feel it begin to shake again. I think it's the guys at this point and say, ha ha, real funny, stop, 
and it temporarily stops. At this time I'm getting pissed, I wake up and see my car surrounded by five people. Same people I saw from my dream the other night in the church. They're all glaring at me and all of a sudden the door where I'm resting my head flies open and I fall out the car to the ground. I hear footsteps coming over to me and those five same people combine into one lovely large transparent mass with glowing eyes. I'm stiff both due to being cold and fear. It crouches down and simply says you were so close and then disappears. The next morning I'm freaking out telling the others what happened. Gary another guy there mentions that's weird I heard something like that last night and saw shadows on the tent walls. I assumed it was the other guys he said. At this point we decided to quickly pack up and get out of there. We let out the fire we started and headed home. Before we leave the area we camped out at least I see that large figure again as we leave and like in the dreams as we head home we see that street sign Circleville half mile. What the hell happened those few nights? To this day when we discuss it no logical conclusion can be come up with. It's odd that five grown men have the same experience or at least a similar experience. What do you think this might be? This happened about four years ago while I was hunting in the mountains northeast USA. There was fresh snow on the ground and there was supposed to be flurries later in the afternoon. It was a great day to be out until the flurries came. It wasn't flurries, it was a whiteout and I couldn't see for 10 yards in front of me. I start making my way towards what I thought was the direction to a large pack of dense pine trees to the east of me, but I can't see. I was wrong and at this point I'm lost in a snowstorm, it's almost dark. Now I reach in my bag to pull out my flashlight to find it's dead. I look for spare batteries but I must have forgotten them. At this point I'm starting to panic a bit. I don't know where I'm at and I'm starting to not be able to see at all. So I figured the guys back at the cabin would start to search for me around 9.30. It had to be around 8.45 and I figured I'm going to have to build a fire so they can see me when they come. Everything was so wet it took forever to start a fire, but I finally got one lit. I sat there until 1.30 and realised that I was nowhere near where I went hunting and the guys would never find me. I'm panicking now because I don't have the proper gear to be stuck out all night. The temperature is dropping rapidly and even with my hunting gear and a fire, I'm cold. Just when I thought all hope might be lost, I see a dim little light in the distance. It's moving away from me. I quickly put out my fire and start heading towards this light, assuming it's another hunter walking on a trail. This light is about 400 yards away from me. I walk and walk and walk for about two hours, and I've realised I've been following this light, but there's no tracks on the ground, just white snow. As a desperate chance to get to this guy to slow down, I yell out, Hey, I'm lost. Could you slow down? But there's no answer. I continued to follow this light until it stopped about 150 yards in front of me. I kept walking. The closer I got, the brighter the light got. I was about 30 yards away and I said, hey man, that light is damn bright, can you turn it off? The light went out and no one was standing there and the road and my vehicle were right there. Was this a guardian angel or someone else that had gotten lost and didn't get so lucky?
This happened in 2012. I lived in an apartment on the 14th floor with my husband and our dog. I remember it as if it were today, a beautiful sunny day. My husband was in the kitchen and I was cleaning the bedroom. Something caught my eye. I looked to the side and saw a man walking through my living room towards the front door. He was wearing a suit and a hat. He had no hair or eyebrows and my first thought was we were being robbed. Then I realised how ridiculous that idea was since we were on the 14th floor. He had no way of climbing up in the window. Even more, he couldn't do it in a suit. And in this lapse of thought, my thoughts and his connected. He didn't say anything to me, but I realised he really needed to go through. He had no choice. He needed to do something important. He'd been careless that I'd seen him. But after all, who would I tell? Who would believe me? I felt that to him, I was like an insect, a nobody. As soon as the connection was broken, I ran into the room, but he was gone as if he had gone through the closed door. I called my husband and asked if he'd seen the man too. He said no, and I was a little confused, of course. When I started to doubt what I had seen, we heard the sound of our dog huddled under the chair, crying, shaking, and really mad. He had seen it also. My husband and I looked at each other in silence. Since that day, I have chills remembering that man. The year would have been either 1989 or 1990 and I was a young teenager. My mum always made a Sunday dinner, without fail, it was the one meal we could always rely on, a big roast. We loved our Sunday dinners, the rest of the week it was sugar or tomato ketchup buddies. So this Sunday was no different except we needed some potatoes to make the roast potatoes with and my mum said she would walk down to the shop. It was no more than a 10 minute walk away. She left at about 11, as we always had lunch at 1, or as close to that time. We expected her to return no later than 11.30. So anyway, time ticked on. 11.30, came and went, then midday. At this time we were starting to get concerned and a little impatient. We were all hungry and looking forward to our roast. So where on earth was my mother with the food? But when 12.30 came and went, our stomach stopped rumbling and we just became anxious as to where she was. I started to pace outside looking down the road to see if she was coming but she was nowhere in sight. Then I saw the number 6 bus, it stopped outside the shop and was just two stops away. I wonder if she'd waited to get on it and watched as it neared, knowing if she was going to get off she would be stood at the front. Well something was on the bus but it was a tall figure all dressed in black from head to toe and it was waving at me furiously. I don't know why, but I got the impression it was my mum, even though she was not wearing anything like that. So I kept looking at this thing and the bus passed right by me and the person was locking eyes with me and still waving like a lunatic. The bus stop was about a hundred metres further away and just around the bend, so I decided to run the forty metres or so so that I could see that this thing got off the bus. But the bus never stopped. It carried on and there was just one more stop it could go the terminus where it turns around and does the route again. Luckily the bus had to go around in like a square shape and back on itself and I decided to race it there. Back then I was a pretty good athlete and it only took me a couple of minutes to get in eyesight of it. I made it to the terminus as the bus pulled in but nobody got off. I asked the driver where the woman was dressed all in black. He said there'd never been a woman on his bus like that. 
I told him she was there a minute ago waving like a lunatic and he laughed and said I must have been dreaming. No one had been on his bus since Leighton, about six stops back. Confused and scared, I walked back home and told my dad and sister. They didn't know what to make of it either and one thing was certain, mum was nowhere to be seen. We went to look for her and she'd vanished, just vanished. I don't know why, but I don't think we ever called the police. I think we just didn't think like that yet. Nowadays you would, but back then you just didn't. So it got to about 8pm and the key slid in the door and in walked my mum with the potatoes. We all went ballistic. Where have you been? She looked dazed and confused and said that she'd been gone for no more than half an hour. She didn't or couldn't understand any of it. The only thing she did recall was entering the shop and remember it being light outside. But when she left the shop she recalled it being dark and thought that that was a little strange but she had no idea she'd been missing for nine hours. My mum pre this event had a job working in a mushroom picking place and she'd flunked school and didn't have any qualifications. She'd never had any real drive to better herself. But after this, in fact the same year she started to attend night school and got her GCSE. She got six of them of the highest grade. She then attended night school again and took on four A-levels and got straight A's. She went to university and completed two full honour degrees and the same time, at the same time in criminology and law. She then took on other courses such as hypnotherapy, reiki, animal therapy and became a fully qualified teacher in those. She got a job in the civil service and got promoted almost every single year until she was up really high. She basically had a thirst for knowledge after that, something she'd never had before that day. Was it connected? Did something happen to her to make her behave differently afterwards? Where did she go for those nine hours? And who was that black figure I saw waving at me on the bus? Unsure what exactly caused what I'm about to share, so if you have any kind of knowledge or your own experience, I'd appreciate hearing about it. Anyway, I live near the Genesee River in western New York and go fishing all throughout the warmer months. There's a spot that a buddy and I go all the time near Rochester. It's great for bass, cats, northern pike, etc. And it's nice because you can wade out into the water. So one day I'm with my friend, we'll call him Jim, and he is on shore while I've waded out into the middle of the river. We are both, we are both enjoying ourselves. The current is fast, which is already making me a little anxious, but it's still good. I decided to start wading back upstream to where Jim is on the shore. As I'm wading back, a man pokes his head out of the water, a bit away from me. He's wet, of course, and shirtless with dark hair. He's maybe about 40. He looks towards the top of the tree line and shouts, That's a big one. But I hadn't caught anything, and he wasn't even looking at me or Jim. Then he ducked back in the water. Neither I nor Jim had seen him swim up, and the river's fairly wide and open, so he would have had to hold his breath for an insane navy seal length of time to approach us underwater like that. We also didn't see him after he went back under. We looked for him, of course, especially when he didn't resurface. We never saw any splashing, but later in the night when we were telling our friends, they were worried that maybe he'd drowned. We had barely considered that, so we checked the local news for the next few days, but when there were no disappearances, we figured he was fine and attributed our missing his approach because we just weren't paying attention.
This is the weirder part though. We went back to that spot every day all summer and about a month and a half later around the same time of day as the last time we saw him. And this time the exact same thing happened. This time Jim and I were both on shore and we heard a splash to one side. When we looked over there it was again out in the middle of the water just like last time he looked up at the tree line and yelled that's a big one while looking sort of odd. Then he swam off ducked under the water and disappeared. Again neither of us had a fish on the line. We've gone back to that spot a few times since but not nearly as often and we've never seen it again. The first time this encounter had just been odd. The second time it truly scared us. I have no explanation for what might have been going on. I was at a friend's house. We were teens and all three of us were laying in her bed talking. Our conversation was about books and we were passing one book back and forth. It was late but we were awake and animated. I was facing the window and the other two were facing away from it. I was casually watching the neighbour's window which had the blue glow of a TV. I was watching a shadowy figure which I assumed was the person who lived there pace in front of the window. After a while I started to pay close attention when I noticed the pacing was weird. The person wasn't moving slightly up and down like people do when they walk. The figure was almost gliding and they were gliding faster than a person would pace in a weird sort of motion like they weren't turning around to go the other way they were more like a pendulum or like they were going backwards and forwards. I tried to point it out to my friends but they were in deep conversation and didn't pay any attention to me. As I focused more intently on the figure it like I want to say turned and looked at me even though there were no discernible features it just stopped in the middle of the window and I felt like it was looking straight at me and it had awful ominous energy to it. It suddenly like expanded like it was growing or coming at me through the window and the window went black and I screamed and screamed at my friends to close the window. Fortunately one of them jumped up and did and then they ran after me into the kitchen and we turned on all the lights in the house and made sure all the doors were locked and we stayed up all night. The friend who had shut the window said that she thought she saw someone standing outside and I always keep in mind that I'd only told her to shut the window, not that I'd seen anything. It was the most terrifying moment of my life and she had told me after it happened that the house next door was unoccupied so there wouldn't have been a blue TV glow either. Well that brings us to the end of another episode of Out of the Darkness. As always, the team here at DNA Paranormal Services thanks you for joining us. And please, if you have any comments or questions, or even a topic you would like us to cover, you can contact us at info at daparanormal.com or you can visit us on our social media or YouTube channel 
and you can contact us there. All of our links are in the notes section for this podcast. If you have a paranormal story or experience you'd like to share with us and perhaps have it featured on one of our podcasts, you can contact us at storiesubmission at daparanormal.com or contact us through social media. Again, we'd like to thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Join us again for some more creepy and haunting tales of the paranormal. Until next time, we wish you all safe and happy investigating.